power of story, the power of a, of a life to change everything. Listen to the story of Exodus. It says, so when Pharaoh heard that Moses had killed another Egyptian, Pharaoh tried to kill him, but Moses fled and went to live in Midian. And he sat down by a well. And while he's resting at the well, he ends up rescuing the daughters of a local landowner, this time without killing anybody, ends up marrying into the family of Jethro, a wealthy Midianite. And 40 years go by. He's 40 when he goes out into the desert, and 40 more years go by. He's a father, but he still feels like he's on the outside looking in, maybe the same way he felt in Egypt, on the outside looking in. We know he feels on the outside because he, he calls his first son Gershon. Gershon means, I am a stranger in a strange land. And now we get to the part of the story that we're going to launch from for the next nine weeks. In chapter 4, so Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, a priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God called Horeb. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up, and he thought, I'll go over and I'll see this strange thing. Why doesn't the bush burn up? Catholic comedian Jim Gaffigan says, can you imagine being the first person that Moses told this story to about a burning bush and the smell of that bush? You'd wonder what that bush smelled like too. What has he been smoking? When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called from within the bush, Moses, Moses, Here I am, he said. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've heard and seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries from the slave drivers, and I'm concerned for their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them into a good land, flowing with milk and honey. So now, Moses, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Don't you know, God, I'm a wanted criminal? And God said, I will be with you. But then Moses said to God, suppose I do go to the Israelites and I say, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? Because each of the gods had their own name. What should I tell them? In other words, who are you? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you should say to the Israelites. 
I am has sent you. And stumbling and fumbling and frayed, Moses goes off to Egypt. This is a story about the changing of a soul and the changing of a nation and the changing of a world and in our ways, the changing of a church because it says that over time, some people, not everybody, but some people learn to hear the voice of God. And when they act upon what they hear, life, life comes. One of the reasons we wanted to do this is because Moses is a story for all ages. It is a story for young kids. It's a story for you guys. Moses is a story that reminds us that no matter how you screw up, no matter what you've done, it is not the end of the story. God will not only come after you, but God will change your heart. To the young people, this also you should say that Moses teaches us that all of the frantic running that you do, and can I just say that a lot of the frantic young, the frantic running that young people do is because of their frantic parents who keep loading on the schedule. All that running stops them from the silence that's needed to hear the voice of God. That's the story of Moses. And for those of us in the middle of life, Moses speaks to you. He says, the key to the busy middle of your life is what's forming on the inside. Not all that you're accumulating, not all the decisions you're making, not all the titles and relationships that you accrue. It's the shift from what David Brooks has called building your resume to building your legacy. We spend the first half of our lives building a resume. The second half, Lord willing, building a legacy to pass on. Some of us never make that shift. Moses talks about how that shift is forced upon us, often when we don't want it. And maybe for those of us in the middle of life, that's the great lesson. That most of us do not change until we are pushed. Henri Nouwen says the great illusion is to believe that people can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there. God uses people who've bled. God uses you more when you have failed. God uses people who have gotten lost. And so there's a voice that speaks to the young and to the middle-aged, but so often, those of you who have heard the story of Moses before I was born, you need to realize that God has something to say to you through the life of Moses. God is saying that in the last third of life, first 40 years in Egypt, second 40 years in the wilderness, last 40 years of Moses' life, if you're not dead, you're not done. You may be retired, but if you have the belief that there may even be the possibility of a God who knows your name, if you're not dead, you're not done. And sometimes it may not be until you've been knocked around some 
in that last third that you finally get ready to answer the really big questions. I think there are two really big questions in this passage that set us up for the next nine weeks. Moses asks God, who am I that you think I could do this? Who am I? And then Moses asks God, and by the way, who are you? So, the image that we'll all remember is the burning bush. And for some reason, this shepherd turning aside to see what's happened. How does that play out in real life? If God were to put a burning bush in somebody's life, would they even notice it? Or would they think they were getting punked? I have a friend. As a matter of fact, he's one of the stories in CPC Life. And he was in his early 30s, and he was doing great. He had a wonderful job, great all-American family. And he felt increasingly dissatisfied, like he was winning the wrong race. And he said, I was restless. And in one day, I had three different conversations that made me feel like God was knocking on the door. He says, if God wants to get your attention, he throws a pebble. If that doesn't work, he throws a rock. And I decided I wasn't interested in finding out what the boulder felt like that God could throw at me. So I decided to stop running and see what God had for me. And what God had for him was to get off the track that he was on, climbing higher and higher up the corporate ladder, and becoming somebody that he didn't want to be, and to do something completely different. He had a burning bush moment, and he turned aside. Ward Brem is a friend of this church. Many of you know Ward from uh, Colonial Church. He's just written a, a new great book. And in, in the book, he talks about the same experience that my friend Jeff had. He says, I always figured I could get to the top. What I hadn't realized was how the top would get to me. I see that in so many of you. You are really good people. And you are doing well, and you are getting to the top. And I question whether you know how much the top is getting to you. The burning bush for Jeff put him on another path. But it doesn't always appear to be big and bright and shiny and burning. We have a great youth program, so big that uh, a couple hundred of the kids, the sophomores, juniors, and seniors, meet in houses. And they were meeting this last week, and Carrie Gleason, our director, was leading one of the junior groups. And she came in on Thursday, and she said, it was just so interesting, because we're going to talk about Jesus this year, and what do they really know about Jesus? What do they really think about Jesus? And she said, so I thought I'd just start by saying, what do you really think about Jesus? If I wasn't, you know, like, on staff, what would you really say to me, you believe? And they, she said, these junior girls started to give her all the Sunday school answers and the things they thought she wanted to hear. And then there was a pause. And then one of the girls said, well, you know, I'm not sure how much I believe that right now. I, I have all these questions that I'm hearing about in school or that I see about or that I see the way other people who say they are Jesus people act. And, and I don't know. And Carrie said, it was as if God came into the room. 
That's a burning bush moment where all of a sudden you slow down enough and you're honest enough to say, what would God really say if God were to speak to me? That's what happened with Moses. Moses became ready for a sacred take-your-shoes-off conversation. And unlike we usually translate it where it's mostly about, Moses, glad you're here. Go to Egypt. Take care of my people. I took this conversation to be about the questions. These big questions of life. Because all of his life, we saw it on the video, all of his life, Moses has been asking, who am I really? Who are you really? He's a slave. He's an orphan. He's a stutterer. He's a prince. He's a murderer. He's an exile. He's a foreign peasant. He's a revolutionary. He's a miracle man. He's a lawgiver. He's, law He's dead in exile. He lives in the land between. He lives in the land between slavery and the promised land. And he never gets to the promised land. And he goes, who am I? This is a question that I think you need to ask. That you run so busy on the treadmill that you rarely say, God, who am I? And when he turned aside, and he took off his shoes, and he took his time, not just at once, but in the years that would follow, God started to tell Moses who he was. God started to tell Moses, and God would tell you who you really are. There's a great uh, book about this. It's, it's called uh, this Developing the Soul of Your Leadership by Ruth Haley Barton. And in that book, she talks about this moment. She says, it's in solitude that we stop believing our own press, all the stuff you think other people should think about you. And we stop being defined by other people. We're not who they say we are anymore when we get off by ourselves. We discover, when we're alone with God, we discover that we're not as good as we thought we were, but we're also more than we ever thought we could be. All these long conversations in solitude with God, all the adventures that come out of those, over the next 40 years, change Moses. He probably, to the end of his life, asks, who am I? But he's being changed. So that by the end of his life, he's a different man. In the book of Numbers, it describes Moses this way. It says, in, Mos in Numbers 12.3, it says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else, on the face of the earth. He had been a slave and he'd been a prince. He'd been humiliated, but now he was humble. You know what the difference is? There's a big difference between being humiliated and being a humble person. Elisa Turkhurst has a great observation about the difference between humiliation and humility. Turkhurst says, the difference between humility and humiliation is that one person bows low 
the humble. And the other person trips and falls, and they are humiliated. Humility is the ability to bow low rather than being worried what people think when you get knocked down. And over the course of Moses' time with God, he started to see that he was precious to God, that he didn't have to pretend to be somebody that he wasn't with God. And because he stopped pretending to be somebody that he wasn't with God, he could discover who he was with other people. He didn't have to try to be impressive. And in his humility, he showed a different kind of leadership. The first question that Moses asks is, who am I? Moses, you are a beloved child of God. The second question that Moses asks in the story is, well, suppose that I do go to Egypt and I say to them, the God of your fathers sent me, they're going to ask, who is that really? Who are you, God? More times than I want to admit, walking late at night, I, I go, God, are you like what I think you're like? What are you really like? Who are you, God? And the answer that Moses receives is twofold. The first is that answer that is so cryptic. Tell them that I am who I am. I am who I am has sent you. It's, it's supposed to convey at least that I am unique. I am different from all the other gods. He could say to them, tell them that I am the only one. And you will spend the rest of your life discovering who I am that I am. But the second part of God's answer to Moses is, I will be with you. Just like Laura told the kids, I will be with you. You don't have to come to the holy mountain. You don't have to come to church. You don't even have to open your Bible. God is saying to you, I am the only God that there is. I will be with you. And over the course of time, Moses started to believe that. Again, in Numbers. Numbers 12 says, God said, Moses is entrusted with all my house. With Moses, I speak face to face, like one speaks to a friend, clearly and not in riddles. And Moses beholds the form of God. It begins as a burning bush and a voice that frightens him so much that he hides his face. And by the end of the story, it says, Moses would go into the tent of meeting and all the people would stand at the edge of their tents and watch him go in and Moses would talk to God as one talks to a friend. Not only does Moses teach us that we can learn the reality of God and even the name of God, but we can become aware of the presence of God in all of our life. It says, when God saw that Moses had turned aside, he called to him out of the bush. He called to him. 
There is a sense in which what people do with their lives is their calling. You guys are called right now to be students. Your parents are called to be parents. Would you like a fresh calling? What is God calling you to do? What is God calling from the bush that would give fresh newness of life? God called Moses to be what Moses had always been, what he'd been all along, and he called Moses to become something, excuse me, something that was yet to emerge, and that's the whole story of the Exodus. Will you say yes when the fire goes off? Will you say yes when God calls you to do what's next? There is almost always a call to do something, to follow God. God gives Moses something to do, and Moses goes off to Egypt to do his not-so-little part in the story of how God rescues humanity and brings them to a place where they can flourish. And God wants to do the same thing to you. I believe God wants to call you to the burning bush today. God met Moses in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon, in the middle of the ordinary, out in the desert, in the mundane. And God spoke to him because Moses stopped and he turned to listen. Laura and I love the poem of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. It, it, it talks about the burning bush. And this is what it says. Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pick blackberries. I believe that there are burning bushes all around us. I believe that most of us are running too fast to stop and see the glory of what God does, and in the midst of that glory, to listen for God's voice. They're very much like the disciples the week after Jesus died. Remember the two disciples who are rocking on the road to Emmaus? And they're so worried about what's happened, they don't even recognize Jesus when Jesus comes up and starts to walk on the road with them. The burning bush has come to them and they don't recognize him. And they go on mile after mile, and he opens the scriptures and he says, this is what God intends for you. God with you. And then the part that I love, it said they begged him to stay for dinner. And he stopped, and he ate with them, and he held up the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. And that's when they recognized him.